0: The following podcast is Work Safe. From the Upper Mount Samysville Studios in Samiesville, Pennsylvania, comes the We Talk Games interview! Everyone, welcome to Interview Starcade, the breakout episode from We Talk Games Guest Boy. Now, the We Talk Games Guest Boy is actually just a little jQuery widget from WeTalkGames.com, and it was the brainchild of Kyle Von Kubik, who joins me on the line. Hello. Yes. And we originally had it as a little flash widget. And then I was like, you know what? The iPod doesn't do flash. So I'm going to change this over to jQuery, make it some JavaScript. And another Kyle, Kyle Von DeFranco helped me uh, do that. He he sometimes jumps in when I'm at an impasse on the WeTalkGames.com website. Special
1: thanks to him. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without him. And the new Java player works. A hell of a lot better on my mobile phone than the flash thing did.
0: It's still kind of weird because you're not using a mouse to click around and move things around and drag. But, Uh, uh, you know, we're getting closer, brother. We're getting closer. Sure.
1: Work in progress. But what a beautiful piece of work it is. Go check it out. WeTalkGames.com.
0: Yes, it's a social media website you can join with any of your existing social media networking IDs like Twitter, Facebook,
1: Google, Open ID, whatever that is, Windows Live. <laughs> exactly. Come on, it's easy. You already have your username and password. You just need to log in at wetalkgames.com. Right on. It's secure, it's safe, it's fun. Some people say it's the Facebook for gamers.
0: It is, Indeed. And we created this interview, starcade to feature some of our greatest video game-related guests that we've ever had on We Talk Games. We Talk Games is a monthly program where we get together and do sometimes like a three, four-hour show. Well, we've only done one four-hour super extravaganza (laughs) show. We're starting
1: to wrangle it in a little bit.
0: Yes, we are. We're We're getting a grip on it. But sometimes we have so many good guests and so many great correspondents, and we just love talking about games. We can't help ourselves. That's how long it goes, but they usually average in around two to three hours. And we it's deliver an audio
1: video game magazine. I it mean, is. it's monthly. What do you want? We're giving you a ton of content.
0: Yes, indeed. And we also started our weekly breakout bonus levels that will target in on twenty minute to one hour segment special feature. It's always hard to come up with which guest we want to feature next. We've been fighting about it for hours. Yes, but I think that. The guest for today's episode is not only timely with the resurrection of Rocket Knight, but was also a fantastic interview. He's a young fella, Tom Hewlett, but he's been in the gaming industry for many, many years, and we'll get into that in the interview as well.
1: Now, Kyle, is there any interesting backstory to getting Tom Hewlett to be part of We Talk Games? Sure. Now, this was an interview I didn't think was going to happen, because I originally contacted Tom personally, and he said that the only way he could do an interview with us is we had to contact so-and-so at Konami, who was the PR director. Right off the bat, I'm being pitched to another person. I'm thinking this interview's not happening at all. I called the North American headquarters at Konami, and evidently they were expecting our call. They were expecting me to call them. That's great. I was patched right in with the uh, director of PR, We set everything up. We gave him all the information. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Suffolk City. We were in, like Flint. We had this interview. Fantastic! It, it was seamless. It was it was a, again just a cakewalk. Uh, everybody was very nice. Tom is a gentleman, and uh, the only drawback was he was a little sick during this interview.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I he think had the we,
1: avian flu, I believe.
0: <laughs> yes, we both we both had a, a you little. Were, bit, yeah, you were bit pretty going. sick yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it was uh, it was during that time of the year, I guess. It was that time of the year, the swine flu time of the year. <laughs> And as you mentioned, this was the first time that we ever had someone that was still entrenched in a corporate environment. Most of the other interviews that we had, even with bigger names, were people that sort of branched out on their own and things were a little more lax. So for this one, there was PR in the room when I was conducting the interview as well. And we would later see this with our interviews with Taito.
1: Sure. I mean, this really was, at first we were doing kind of the... founding fathers of video games or you know the the foundation layers of video games and this kind of kicked us off into getting into the contemporaries you know people from the past present and future of games i mean this really set it up
0: and isn't it amazing how many folks that we get on
1: for interviews at one time worked at lucas arts yes there is a lot of connections to uh, pinball killer george lucas <laughs> <laughs> hey but, well let's not get ourselves in any more trouble yeah, i don't think tom was connected to george lucas no the city.
0: no he, yeah no he started there did he yeah let's find out let's yeah, listen right now. i think so yeah let's go oh this is great let's open the lines konami is on the other end of the blower right now open it up keith El Segundo! Go! Tom Hewlett on the line from Konami. Konami Headquarters. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Oh, good. Very good. Just to let you know, uh, the We Talk Games Committee for Podcast Conformity and Listener Integration, as you know them uh, quite frequently as the Wet Gak Flicklies, have required that I do this interview, only this segment of the show, as if I'm just getting over the swine flu. Now, this is to elicit sympathy from our older viewers. And also, I heard that it's really hip with the kids, the swine flu. So, this will help resonate with the youths of today. Now, speaking of youths, Tom, you're kind of young you're like a
2: 30 year old youngster yeah uh, I've, I've been in the industry for a while though yeah so. you've been
0: in the industry like 20
2: years yeah since I was 12
0: how did that happen
2: well I was pretty good at games when I was a kid and my dad knew a guy at virgin games what kind of games did you were you good at Was like good at yeah um, everything on the Nintendo pretty much you know be Mario's or Mega Mans, you name it how about Rob the robot <laughs> um, I actually never had a Rob. I played Gyromite with, I used the second controller to cheat. <laughs>
0: sure you do. Yeah, that's an easy way to do it. So, oh, so your pop got you hooked up with somebody?
2: Yeah, the guy, um, Pete, they, they wanted kids to test their games because I guess, uh, people said their games were too hard and they said, well, no, kids can beat the games, so they brought me in to, uh. Prove that, and then I kind of had a summer gig testing games for a couple years.
0: What company was that for? I think I talked Virgin Games. Oh, oh, great. Okay, so
2: you tested what Dracula and Mary Shelley's. <laughs> I tested uh, um, a Prince of Persia game. I tested uh, the McDonald's games they made. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah, I like those. And you did work on Heart of the Alien, though, didn't you? I tested
2: Out of This World. Okay, so great. Because Heart of the Alien had that on it. That's right. probably why i counted i see i see
0: yeah i i love i love uh that no i i was happy that they came out for the Sega you that was one of the first titles i ever saw for the amiga and uh, yeah. i was like blown away as this is this is like watching cinema <laughs> as long as no one has faces and things <laughs> and then from there you decided to try to start designing games
2: yeah well the guy i knew at virgin uh split off and made his own company called above the garage productions and uh I got a bunch of money in high school for by designing levels for his game, oh. um, which never came out. Um, so you can't play any of those levels. Above the garage, that's like Fonzie. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in college, I decided to uh, make my own game company which was called Team mix Caliber. Right, right. we were working on an RPG called Mystery for the Game Boy.
0: Oh, for the Game Boy. Uh, what made you go for the Game Boy development because you thought that would be...
2: Uh, it was simpler, yeah. and uh, like, we were really into RPGs, so we thought we could make a good one. But it's hard to compete with Final Fantasy VII when <laughs> sure. you don't have any money. Sure, sure. So uh, we thought Game Boy would work, and we actually had a really cool demo that some people played, and we had some potential publishers, but that all fell through, and... I used some people I met at Atlas To get a job at Atlas Doing some QA And then some Localization work For them Cool I liked Atlas They were a good company Yeah And then uh, I got put in charge Of some stuff there Like Trauma Center The uh, surgery games. Sure Yeah Like those And then Springboarded to Konami very good. Have you traveled to
0: Konami of Japan, or you're primarily in Konami of the USA? I've never had the privilege
2: to travel to Konami of Japan yet, uh, hopefully in the future.
0: How do the, how do the board meetings work? Like, Is there big conference calls, a weekly basis, or what?
2: Oh, I'm below that. I don't get to be in any of the top secret management meetings. I see, I see.
0: Do you know anything about uh, George Lucas trying to kill pinball? <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't think they would have anything to do with Konami, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. That might trickle down somehow. when did you start working at Konami? Like, how old were you? Like, 25 or something? Uh, three years ago. Okay, three years ago. Oh, that's good. That's great. And since you started working at Konami, you actually worked on some re- really great games. Most of them are still in future releases. And we might jump around a little bit. The one that's coming out closest to now. I would assume would be the Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. That's right. Now this is a this is like a poop your pants scary game. I hope so. Yeah, it's I, I saw the, some videos for this. It looks good. It looks scary, and of course, it's it draws on the things that were set up in the first Silent Hill for the PS1, I guess. Right. We wanted to make a Silent Hill for the Wii,
2: and there were a lot of different ways to do that, but it wouldn't really be fair to make like a sequel to Homecoming and expect the Wii audience who maybe had never played Silent Hill before Mm -hmm. to catch up. And so we thought about this cool idea to remake the first game. But then the movie is similar to the first game, and and we already did Silent Hill Origins, which is connected to the first game. And Silent Hill 3 is connected to the first game. So we didn't want to betray longtime fans either by giving them something they didn't care about. So we've reimagined the original game, so that this one is sort of people who play the original game have certain expectations and how they think the story goes, and uh, shattered memories actually twists all that and betrays everything they think they know about Silent Hill. Oh, that's great! Um, so it's a new experience, whether or not you played the first game. But there's a cool layer there if you have played the first game, where you know we're screwing with you and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. And you can
0: draw the parallels, and but yet it's a brand new game and reason to, to buy this. Did you try this uh, Juwan the Grudge? I haven't gotten a chance to play that yet, actually. Well, it's like walking in porridge. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, they, I guess, uh, you know, they, they, they push this. I mean, I love the, the movies. They're, they're great movies. Right. Um, but just from watching the videos of Silent Hill, I, I think uh, this is a game that's really going to grab me a lot more. Uh, and, and be controllable. It looks like it's very com- controllable. And all you are is armed with a flashlight and a cell phone. Now, the cell phone's kind of a new feature. Right. Again,
2: I mean, thinking about the Wii and how to make a good Silent Hill game, uh, we didn't want to just feel like we took a Silent Hill game you've played six times already and then threw in some waggle. Sure. Um, So we really wanted to integrate everything. And while we were doing that, we realized we had this opportunity to make it very immersive and not feel like you're playing a game. And so something that always draws you out of the game is when you go to the menu to switch your weapon or use mm-hmm. a health item or, Sure, because um, it pauses map, everything. Whatever, yeah. Because it sort of stops the game. Yep. So instead we have the cell phone where when you want to check the map or, or whatnot um, you just pull up Harry's cell phone and you're still moving around the world so you can still walk around and monsters can still jump on you. But your menu's right there in your hand and so that accesses all your features from map. You can actually make phone calls to sort of talk to characters in the world or get a better sense of Silent Hill. You can take pictures. You save your game that way. So it's really a good feature to keep all the things you need from a game but also feel like a real world and, and keep you immersed
0: yeah that camera phone that that really gelled with me i guess you know because of the iphone ads and the new uh all the new types of um android interfaces and and everything that you see with the cell phones and how it's uh, it it really it, it does immerse you in the gameplay and so that's used to save your your progress this the cell phone or is it used for
2: clues or what a little bit of everything. One, one thing the old games have, and, and pretty much all old survival horror games have, is you find notes around in the environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Silent Hill always used those really well. So you'd find um, stories or something creepy that happened there. But it didn't really make sense that there was a note all the time. And so we've also taken that principle and made it more realistic in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is through the phone. I might come into an area and see something strange in the corner. So I pull up my camera I take a picture of the corner, and then an image will appear. Mm. The example we've shown a lot of is that you come to a swing, and you take a picture, and there's a girl on the swing. Right, right. not actually there. And so when you do that, you'll also get a, a voicemail. And so those voicemails kind of replace the notes. Um, you'll also get calls that way that replace the notes. Or you'll find um, like an answering machine, and you'll play that, and you'll hear a message. So we still have all those stories throughout the environment and the creepy things that keep you on edge. But they also feel more realistic. They don't feel like someone's leaving notes for no reason.
0: Right on. And speaking of the, the fact that you wanted to develop for the Wii, I think Konami really has brought out some graphic power of the Wii that many other
2: companies, I guess, don't think is, are, is there. The funny thing about the Wii is when you when you try to make a really good graphical game, you can. Um, but one reason we went with Climax is because on the PSP version of Silent Hill Origins, they actually did some really cool things. And I, I think Origins is still one of the better-looking PSP titles. Mm-hmm. So we knew that they could pull off some things that a lot of other publishers don't know is possible on the lower-end platform. So Right on, right on. Um, we figured they could do that for the Wii, and we were right. I mean, besides enhancing their flashlight technology again, so that looks amazing, and all the shadowing. Oh, yeah, it looks uh, great. We also have snow technology where there's a ton of snow falling, and then combined, you every snowflake casts a shadow um, and a bunch of other ridiculous things like that so the game should look really good I think it's going to impress a lot of people who think that Wii isn't a viable platform I think they're going to be surprised by a lot of the stuff that they see
0: that's great and have you played it on all the platforms I mean that that might seem like a silly question but I I don't know (laughs) Yeah, I'm
2: constantly playing it
0: off every platform. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I I don't really know, you know, I I only know like animators and and uh, things like this, like what how they're involved as producers and and the directors and things like this. I really I'm not I'm not too hip on uh, nice. exactly how knee deep a developer for a, a game might be. Although I do a show called We Talk Games, so I don't know what, how that figures in. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so you're playing on everything. Do you do you? Uh, well, I guess that you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by saying anything wrong, but do you, do you like how the Wii plays with the Wii mode and you think that really adds to the interaction or is it just as good on a thumbstick?
2: I really like the Wii control scheme. I think it's it's very immersive. Cool. Um, and so players who have that option to play it on the Wii, I think are going to, you know, it does things that, that Silent hasn't done before. And it also uses... I'm proud of it because it uses all the Wii features. Um, it uses the speaker for the Gosh. phone calls and the, and the Silent Hill static.
0: I'm a sucker for uh, the for the, for the the speaker in the Wii mode. That's, that's probably my favorite thing of that right. gimmick is that speaker in there. Right.
2: So, I mean, I know a lot of people feel like, you know, is there anything cool they can do on the Wii? What can be done? And, and I always think, oh, I can't wait till they play Silent Hill because, I mean, it uses all these cool features that, that we were promised could do cool things a long time ago. Great, great. Um, but for people who, you know, they don't have a Wii or they really like their PSP or whatnot, we've spent a lot of time making sure the controls still feel intuitive. Mm-hmm. We didn't just slap the old Silent Hill control scheme onto the game because yeah. with a lot of the new gameplay features, it wouldn't make sense. So it's an all the control scheme on every platform, but we really wanted to make it feel just as immersive. You know, you won't necessarily feel like you're shoving the monster off of you if you don't have the Wii because that's a really tactile thing on the Wii. Sure, But you'll still feel like you can do everything just as easily and provide the same experience. That was really our goal, is whichever platform you have, you get the same intense, silent-filled experience.
0: Fantastic. Now, uh, what what was one of the first titles that you worked on for Konami? the first title I worked on at Konami was Contra 4. Oh, great. Well, that leads right into what I'm going to talk about then. So, this was a great game for the Nintendo DS. Now, Kyle and I talked about the new Contra Rebirth, and we're both in love with that, except that it was a little short. Yeah. Uh, but the Contra 4 for the Nintendo DS, I had to go back and, and play through that. Some of the coolest and most diverse designs in the series, I think. And I'm a, I'm a big Contra fan. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I gotta tell you, I gotta be honest with you, which I didn't tell you before, but Konami is my favorite game company of all game companies and uh and my my number one favorite game and series of all time is the castlevania series Uh, Mm -hmm. probably because i'm a huge turbo graphics mark a big pc engine fan i loved everything nec came out with even you know their um their their the pcfx uh which you know i got to play one game on that i could understand but um I pretty much loved everything that they came out with and still to this day, that Dracula X was just uh, one of my favorite games ever. But Contra definitely very close behind and Contra 4, I of course, was biting my nails, very worried about this polygon mess coming to the Nintendo DS, which the Nintendo <laughs> DS is horrible at polygons and thankfully I got a nice pixel looking great use and like I said some of the best level designs that I've seen you start out, it's just like your regular side scrolling rambo Contra 1 NES type of normal game. But then as soon as level 2 comes in, it's incredibly modern. And yeah. you have, you know, all the mutants and the, the Monsters coming down on you and everything, the aliens. But it also pays homage, it seems to me, I don't know if this was the intent, to like the hardcore from the Genesis and the Alien Wars from the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of a sudden, then you're thrust into this whole new game where instead of, like, uh, the the Super Nintendo had the top-down segment with that right. <laughs> crazy Mode 7 uh, going on, this one has a, more of a first-person Thing happening, first person ish Mm -hmm. uh, shooting going on. How did those level designs come about?
2: Well, Contra Four, we were really fortunate. Um, I was working with another producer named Simon Lai here on that, and we both kind of pitched a new Contra idea, and they they put us together, and we came up with Contra Four, and we really, and then we went away forward, the developer, and they didn't know what we were going to them for. Okay, and we told them, you know, well, here's what we want you to do. We want you to make a 2D Contra game, hand drawn and make like the best Contra game ever and then they had all the same questions that I think fans had when they said oh do you want a bunch of 3D stuff and we're like well no just not a lot Has to focus on 2D and they said well do you want us to sort of focus on this and we're like no it has to be like the old games (laughs) so they were getting more and more excited and uh, in the end it was just a bunch of Contra fans making the perfect contra game. It it uh, really is amazing. I
0: love the rocket level. That's probably one of my favorite moments in gaming. Uh that, that you know, we happen. actually
2: we actually after that first meeting we went to lunch and we were thinking, okay, so we have to come up with really good levels. What's what's like a contra level? And and one of the designers said, Well like what if there was a giant rocket taking a missile taking off out of a missile silo and you had to grab onto the missile and then you wrote it and it rotated through the air and we said, Okay. Yeah, but we'll make that a level and then actually made it in the final game, obviously. Yeah, and uses the
0: dual screens and everything. Amazing.
2: Yep. We really, I mean, our focus was to sort of show, like, what was best about all the old games. So, you know, we have the jungle, and we have the 3D first-person type stages are kind of like the the tunnel stages from the first game. Mm -hmm. And then we have sort of a bigger missile ride, and you kind of rode missiles in Contra 3. And so we, we didn't want it to be a rehash of the old games where you'd already done it before. But we wanted to sort of pay homage to it, like you said, but then make it bigger and better and do what a sequel would do. Definitely. That's so what we called it Contra 4.
0: And having the boss become a level, I think, it was another really neat innovation. <laughs> and yeah, that was another one of those
2: ideas from early on was like, what if we could pull this off and then... That's what we ended up
0: with. Amazing, but I do have to ask you. And uh, spoiler alert, spoiler, alert, not really. But what's uh, what's with this SCTV is on the air? Somebody a big fan of SCT Second City Television or something?
2: At the <laughs> don't end know you there, I have to ask way forward about that
0: one. Oh, okay, very good because it <laughs> it, uh, it something about uh, blows up real good happens in there. <laughs> So, going into this game, what were some of your favorite Contra moments from previous titles? Like, if I think of one, I can think of, like, Hardcore. I think you're on a train, and you sort of see other bits of the train. And this is just off the, off the cuff, but do you have any big standout Contra moments that you re- recall?
2: Yeah, my, my favorite one is really dumb. But um, at the beginning of Contra 3, there's kind of a car in the street. Mm-hmm and the only reason the car is there is so you can shoot and then it'll explode <laughs> and to me as a kid when I was playing it you know I played the, the first two Contra games but this bet told me like this is Contra but better <laughs> um, and for some reason it's always stuck with me but um, all the big moments I like the, the waterfall boss and Contra 1 oh, yeah. and I don't know the bosses are pretty big those are pretty big moments
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, this is one of my favorite Contra games, I think. And now you're also working on now Rocket Knight. Mm-hmm. These, these are all established franchises. How do you prepare for creating a new or revisited chapter in an established series?
2: Uh, well, it really, it really depends on the approach you're taking, what you're trying to accomplish with that game. So with Contra 4, we were saying maybe Contra's lost its way recently. And we need to make what it used to be. So then it kind of seems obvious because it's called Contra Four, but back then, before we knew it was when he called that, it was sort of like, what if we were making a sequel to Contra Three? Uh-huh. What would that game be like? And so that's kind of the approach we took, where you know, with Silent Hill: Shattered Memories, we're sort of saying we're using the weird, creepy, mind-screwing quality of Silent Hill and applying it to Silent Hill One. So it's, it's like a sideways than you'd expect. I see. Um, but we're also Changing all the gameplay, and, and we're we're rethinking what could be even more scary than this formula that we have. So that's kind of where we're going with that. And then with Rocket Knight, it's a lot different because that series hasn't really existed for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So you know, when I was pitching that, I was sort of doing it as like, here's this cool thing I remember, guys. Let's let's try to make it again. Yeah, um, it took me. Um, I actually pitched it the same time I pitched Contra, uh, what became Contra Four. Oh wow! So it's been a longer time trying to get that to happen. The old Rock and I games, all of them are kinda of different. They don't feel mm-hmm. the exact same. Sure. And so the, the approach that we're taking to this is figure out what Rock and Knight is, what that feel is, and that what would make it stand out, what makes it special. And then that's what we're focusing on. Cool. So, so hopefully this should also be the ultimate Rocket Knight
0: game. Oh, man. I can't wait because I, I loved uh, Rocket Knight Adventures. Uh, we talked about it many times on the show. A very highly recommended game. Uh, Sparkster, you know, we were a little worried there. We didn't know. Is Sparkster going to be full of Tood? Is he going to be just another Tood character? Now, this new Rocket Knight, he's not going to be a Tood character, is he? No, I, I promise he's not going to be filled with. Uh attitude very good because you know we've seen bubsy and gex and maybe even acrobat i don't know if acrobat did, did it that much uh... arrow i should say but definitely sonic and we've seen you know the abundance of Tude uh... previously occur to people that we actually cared about and um, <laughs> i was just we, we were just a little worried around the we talk games community coffee
2: machine maker No, i i was actually talking to um... Jeremy Blasting, who worked on... He used to work for Konami, and he worked on the original Rocket Knight games as a localization and sort of advice. And uh, he said he didn't have a lot of memories of working on it back in the day because it was so long ago. But they had meetings about what type of attitude Sparkster should have. Okay. And it sounds like we all got really lucky that Sparkster didn't turn out just like Sonic. Yeah. So we're making sure that he doesn't turn out like Sonic now, and he's going to be the, the same earnest That character that we love from 15 years ago.
0: Do we know any platforms that this is going to be aimed at? Yeah, Rocket Knight is
2: going to be on um, XBLA, PSN, and also PC on Steam.
0: Okay, all right, Steam. Okay, so this is going to be strictly DLC then? Yeah. Very good. One of the aspects of Rocket Knight was the different modes of gameplay. It would start off like a platformer and then as a side-scrolling shooter, (laughs) and uh, it looks like that's what's happening
2: here in Rocket Knight. Yeah, um, playing the original, I mean, depending on which Rocket Knight game you're playing, there's a different balance of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But we really looked at the original where the, the platforming, which is pretty key, and then there's the, the shooter stages, like you mentioned, which are kind of like Gradius, mm-hmm. and those are really key. And then there are a lot of other mini, like, gimmicky levels, right. uh, and we really wanted to focus on the platforming and the, the rocketing to sort of establish, again, like I said, like, what is Rocket Knight? And then the sort of a mission statement of this is what Rocket Knight feels like. This is what it is. So that's really where our focus is—is is on the platforming and the rocket pack levels.
0: And I, I really remember that rocket pack in the first one. You really had a, a some type of the, the, something about the physics of it—that the, the way it was animated, the way that it controlled—really felt like you had a rocket pack on. Mm-hmm. Was there focus put on the, that mechanic?
2: Yeah, we're, the, the core of the gameplay had to be the rocket because it, it's called Rocket Knight, and that's mm. what separates him from other characters—is this rocket pack. But in the original game, I feel like when I play it, it something about it feels like I can't control it. Yeah. There's a good aspect of that, and there's a a bad aspect of that when you're getting into complicated levels, and you want to use this cool thing that Sparks has, but you can't, because if you do, you'll fly into spikes, you can't see and die. And so we really wanted this new one to give you that feeling of freedom and excitement by using the Rocket Pack without the... Whoops! You can't really use it here because you'll die. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, so we really want the player to feel like they have a ton of moves at their disposal, and they are kind of free to solve the situations as they want. Okay. Hopefully, all the good with none of the bad. <laughs>
0: very good. Very good. And uh, and I saw 3D, and I'm an, I'm a big worry ward about uh, 3D. You know, I, I, I've seen 3D ruin too many of the things I care about. Um, right. And as an easy out. but th- this is looking nice. This is looking good. I'm happy with that. It's It's hard to tell
2: from uh, screens and video. Sure. But I I want to assure everybody that I know a lot of games when they go to 3D, when they go to 2.5D or whatever you want to call it, there's sort of a lag in the controls and Mm. it feels different or floatier or or just not right like a 2D game would. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't do that. I've I've worked with Climax really closely to make sure this game feels like you're playing a 2D game. Oh, great. It's responsive. It's fun. It's fast. I know people have to take my word on that for a while, but... uh, it plays really well and I love playing it myself so
0: oh great so and we're looking at probably next year I guess for this title right uh yeah it's next year can't wait can't wait I know Kyle can't wait either he's he's a big uh, Rocket Knight fanboy as well are there any other classic IPs within the Konami library that you'd like to breathe new life into
2: or get your hands on uh I feel bad I've worked on so many that I I don't want to be a jerk and take them all <laughs> but uh I like I mean I'm a huge Konami fan too so I mean pretty much anything I'd like to see more of if I could work on it. That'd be better. But. <laughs> right on,
0: right on. Anything else that you wanted to bring up that I might have missed? Everyone look forward to Silent Hill and
2: Rocket Knight. They'll be great. I promise.
0: We are looking forward to it. Tom Hewlett, thank you so much for joining us on We Talk Games. No problem. Thank you guys. I know. Well, there you have it. I guess he really didn't work for Lucas. I just asked him about George Lucas. He actually started a Virgin. So that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to Tom. You know, he's more in fact I am he's he's more closer to my age. I'm kind of I'm kind of long in a tooth. I started with Pong, you know. Most people that that come on a show started with Atari 2600, except people that created Pong <laughs> that yes. have been on
1: show and people that who created... started with a, a stick and rock exactly. And uh, you
0: had to keep score on paper while you're playing video games. It's a, it's amazing stuff. Of course, of course referring to Ralph Baer who More on that later. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's good stuff.
1: Yeah, Tom's a great guy.
0: And that was the first interview we also had a deal with embargo as well because some things were revealed about the release of rocket Knight that we actually had to end up on a cutting room
1: floor yes well we dipped our toes in the big league there that was our first uh encounter with a big video game company and konami
0: is one of my favorite software developers like i mentioned on the show
1: hey i saw in our twitter feed twitter.com slash we talk games recently the twitter bot said if it's the early 90s four joystick controllers, arcade cabinet, got Konami somewhere on it, you're having a good time.
0: Exactly. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this second interview of Interview Starcade from We Talk Games. I know I did. Right on, man. If you like it, come check us out at wetalkgames.com or subscribe to us in iTunes or our RSS feed with some other sort of aggregator that you have there. Hey, you like technology, you know how to do it. Talk to you next time. Bye! Bye!